raised in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned
life you gave Your body was broken Your love poured out You bled and you died for me There on the cross You breathed your last As you were crucified You gave it all for me Hallelujah, what a Savior
Father, that's our prayer this morning. You are so good to us. Lord, no matter what we bring with us today, in spite of what we bring with us today, in the midst of what we bring with us today, God, you are good. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your goodness to us this morning. We thank you that it brings us here. We thank you that it allows us to worship together with each other. We thank you that it allows us to feel your love in all that we're saying and doing here today. And so, Father, we just continue to lean into your goodness this morning. Be with us as we hear the words that you've given to the people who will speak to us. Speak through them to us this morning, Lord. Our hearts are listening and ready because you are good to us. It's your name we thank you and praise you. Amen. You may be seated. I'm Todd Gates. Many of you may have not seen me, and I'm trying desperately to get into my phone right now. There we go. Um, so... I am uh, here as part of the Nazarene Church, although I am a member of the United Methodist Church. I'm a, a pastor, uh, ordained elder, um, but this church suits me a lot, a lot better. What if I told you today that getting into heaven is only part of the riches God has for you? Would you accept that? Would that be a thing? If not, I want to share something with you. And it begins kind of with my story. Too long to do right now. But let me get at this point is that I was a lifelong academic underachiever. <laughs> is that a good way to say that? Until I went to seminary. I uh, found the Lord. Um, got saved, began to grow in Christ, and, and felt a calling, and other people, uh, you know, encouraged that, and, and uh, so in the Methodist Church, you have, to, you have to get a Master's of Divinity degree, so I reluctantly went to college again, oh my goodness, but I found that I love Jesus and they were teaching all about Jesus. And that was great. And I found this motivation. I found this, this desire, this yearning to find out more about Christ. And one of the classes that I took that I was dreading was New Testament Greek. Okay. So, all of a sudden... Jesus transforms New Testament Greek for me. Suddenly, I'm reading the Bible. Well, suddenly is not, not the case. Suddenly is not the case. After a lot of work and a lot of effort, the scriptures began to be revealed to me in this, in this way, through understanding the Bible in the original, one of the original languages. And I learned a lot of great things. I learned a lot of amazing things that stayed with me and that, that I wanted to share with congregations. And I found as I went into ministry and began to go and share the word of God and teach people about Greek that nobody cared about what I knew about Greek. <laughs> nobody. But I do have one tidbit that I'm going to share with you today that you are going to love. 
The phrase eternal life, we've got a conception of what that means. If you go into the Greek and you look at eternal life in the scriptures, it is in, in Greek, zoe ionios. Okay, zoe ionios. And it means eternal life, but it doesn't mean just a long life. It doesn't mean just after we die. It really, I think a better translation would be infinite life. That your life here on this earth can be so stretched and so enriched by having Christ in your life and pursuing that and, and being transformed by that, that you can come up with amazing things in your life. The fruits of the Spirit. I, I'm going to go back to that. But, or I'm going to come back to that. But this goodness, this, this life that God has for us in this life is stretched beyond our time here. But while we're here, it's so rich and it can be so deep that it is a foretaste of heaven. We can have heaven here. Can I get one amen? amen? We can have heaven here. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We can have peace here. In the midst of it all. In the midst of the news. In the midst of work. In the midst of school. We can, we can grow in that. The fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Who would not want that in their life? There's, there's a way to get those, those beautiful things in your life. And that's growing and transforming in Jesus. Going to church is not enough. Memorizing Bible facts is not enough. Uh, not doing the uh, don'ts. Paul said recently, I don't smoke or drink or chew or go with girls who do. All those things are good things. Don't get me wrong. And they're positive things. They're positive for our walk. But if, they're, if we're just going through the motions doing them, and we're not doing them for a heartfelt reason every time, it's not profitable. At its core, discipleship is transformation into Christ-likeness. Romans 12, 2 tells us, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Discipleship is the intentional practice of the renewal or transformation of your mind. We want to grow. We want to get better. Our spirit, our spiritual life, we talk about that, our spirit is like a garden that we tend and that it grows and we reap the fruits of the spirit. Now, I told you that I belong to the United Methodist Church and the Methodists are a sister denomination to the Nazarenes. We, both uh, have our uh, founding back with Wesley. 
And the Methodists, starting with Wesley, were called Methodists because they had a plan. They had a, they had a method to their madness, so to speak. John Wesley set up um, bands and groups, and, and then you would go, and, and uh, things were kind of formalized. It just didn't happen. It just didn't become happenstance. You didn't just, you know, wander around and bump into something blessed. You know, you're intentionally searching and seeking for something blessed in these, in these practices that you do every day. One of my favorites is how they would... Uh, um, Ask each other, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul today? Another beautiful thing that they did, and then most importantly what I wanted to share with you today, is there were, they had 22 questions that they would ask themselves in their daily prayer and reflection time. And they always made, made time for a prayer and reflection. So these questions... Oh, goodness. For example, I'm going to read you a couple of them. There we go. Am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I really am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Do I, confidential, do I confidentially pass on to another what was told to me in confidence? Can I be trusted? Can I look at myself and say, Todd, are you a person that can be trusted? Am I a slave to address to friends, to works or habits, the things that we see around us? Here's a hard question to ask. Am I a slave to dress? I'm sorry, am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Does the Bible live in me today? Do I give it time to speak to me every day? Am I enjoying prayer? When did I last speak to someone about my faith? Do I pray about the money I spend? Do I get to bed on time and up on time? No. Do I disobey God in anything? Do I insist upon something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I defeated in any part of my life? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? How do I spend my spare time? Am I proud? Do I think that I am not as other people, especially the Pharisees who, the Pharisees who despise the publican? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? Is Christ real to me? These are the 22 questions that they were asked to share every day with themselves. I'm trying to hold three things with two hands. Discipleship can be, in this very narrow sense specifically, not accepting the fact that whatever is in me is all there is to me. We don't, not accepting the idea that everything that is in me is not all there is to me. We have the ability to grow. 
We have the ability to transform our hearts and our minds into Christ-likeness. And in that is where we find the Zoe, Ionios, the eternal, the infinite life. That is where we reap the fruits of the Spirit. So I want to thank you for letting me share with you this morning. God bless you, folks. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate Todd and his uh, ministry in the Methodist Church and his, his support here. Well, we're in our last week of the Identity Crisis series. We began this series in January, and we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount. And we started the series uh, on New Life Sunday. Technically, we, we read the last passage in, in the Sermon on the Mount that Sunday, but really we began this series with Matthew's, Matthew 5, 1 and 2, and the disciples are leaning in to hear Jesus. And, and we talked about this idea that if we're disciples, we're leaning in. Um, we, we learn from Jesus. We lean into Jesus. And we began the series, and, and this really goes with what Todd was saying. To be a disciple of Jesus is more than learning about Jesus. It's leaning into the way of Jesus. That, that as a disciple, we, we are looking at how Jesus lived, how Jesus thought, how Jesus, his attitudes, and we're leaning into those attitudes and that way of living. And the Sermon on the Mount unpacks the way of Jesus. This isn't just something that Jesus is teaching from an academic standpoint. This is the way that Jesus lived. And when you read these passages, you see Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And the intention is that we, the Sermon on the Mount should be seen in our life. And as we reflect the Sermon on the Mount, guess what? We reflect Jesus. Uh, and so we've been unpacking that. We've talked about being authentic. We've talked about forgiving. We've talked about trusting God in his kingdom. We, we've talked about taking the, making the most of every opportunity, uh, and particularly the opportunity called today. Uh, and, and so we're looking at ways that we can grow into this way of Jesus. Uh, disciples look more like Jesus than their culture. And so we should be different. Um, we should be unique. We should be uh, somehow different than the culture that surrounds us. Uh, we, we see this in the Beatitudes, and, and we'll read this. We're not going to dive into the Beatitudes. I, I preached from the Beatitudes, I believe, last year, um, and, and it, you just can't, you know, it would take 12 weeks to preach the Beatitudes, and I don't have 12 weeks. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy, be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God, heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, and they were going to persecute Jesus as well. And so Jesus begins, and it's a beautiful image, Jesus begins his ministry, his teaching ministry in the book of Matthew with a song, a poem. This is a poem, it's a song. And Jesus begins with this, this song of the disciple 
Philip Yancey in his book, The Jesus I Never Knew, Didn't Know, if, if you've never read, read it, there's a chapter on the, this, the Beatitudes. It's called The, lucky or unlu the Unlucky or Lucky. Uh, oftentimes you hear the Beatitudes referred to, and there's many books written where it's called The Upside-Down Kingdom. Uh, see, the way of Jesus is different than the way of our culture. And can I get an amen to that? <laughs> you know, the way of Jesus is different. And then our last passage for this series, you are the salt of the earth. But the salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Um, I love this little passage. You, you are salt and light. Uh, salt is a good thing. Um, if, if you've ever had to cut back salt on your food because of high blood pressure, I can get an amen, right, that salt's a good thing. We miss salt. Salt brings flavor. Salt preserves. Salt heals. Anybody ever use Epsom salt to, to, to soak something in and bring healing? If you don't have Epsom salt, uh, I can tell you that you can also wrap a piece of bacon around an ingrown toenail, and that'll draw that infection out also. Um, I know I'm sick, uh, but it does work. Um, anybody else in this room ever done that other than me? Well, I guess I'm unique. I'm a trailblazer. Uh, <laughs> salt is a good thing. Um, Dolly said that she almost wore a shirt today that says, uh, I'm salty, right? And, it, and it's got the, the, the reference. And so we're called to be salty. Look at your neighbor and say, you look salty today. Tell them. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> you know, it's good to be salty um, from the scriptural point of view. We're, we're, we're called to be light. Light reveals light is good. Uh, we, we just came through or just had daylight savings time, or as I call it, mess up Paul's sleep schedule time. I'm an early riser, and it messes with my mind. And, and I'm so glad to see that our Congress is involved in daylight savings time. They'll straighten it all out for us. <laughs> but whether light is later or light is earlier, can we all agree that light is good? And so salt and light in this passage represents blessing. And Jesus is saying, the way of Jesus, what I'm leading you to, the Sermon on the Mount, the way of Jesus brings blessing. In the Old Testament, Israel sent into exile. And they're in Babylon and and God writes to them in Jeremiah, and he says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have your sons and daughters. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. 
pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So, so you have here the people of Israel who, who have this identity, this culture that's all wrapped in God. And God sends them into exile to a godless place. And God's saying, listen, that culture is going to be contrary to your culture. But when you get there, I want you to bless that culture by being who I've called you to be. You realize, folks, that to a large extent, and, and, and we tend to strive for the power structures, but do you realize to a, to a large extent we're in exile as the people of God wherever we find ourselves? That, that even now in America, the culture is different than the culture Christ has called us to. And so we live in exile. And as Jeremiah says, I believe our response is to seek the welfare of the city, to pray for it, to be different, to be unique, to bring blessing where there's curses. See, disciples are salt and light wherever they live. They, they are salt and life to their neighbors. They are salt and light to their co-workers. They're salt and light sometimes in families whose culture runs counter to Christ. They're salt and light in their schools. The Sermon on the Mount takes it a little bit further, a little bit to what's uncomfortable to our enemies. That, that somehow disciples bring blessing into the life of those who are their enemies. John 1 begins with this, and the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. And he's referring to Jesus, that Jesus was the Word of God, the, 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 very, the very presence of God, and he became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw him, and we beheld his glory you realize that's a continuing command. That the work of Pentecost is not that we just look to Jesus, but we allow Jesus to live in us through the power of the Spirit. And once again, the Word should become flesh to the people of God. The church should be the Word in flesh. And this Word, this way of Jesus, brings blessing. We're called to make Marysville better. We're called to make Richwood better, to make Milford Center better, to make Union County better. It's NCAA tournament time. Anybody watching the tournament? Yeah, a few of you. Spencer's home for the weekend, so that means we have four TVs set up in our living room watching four games all at the same time. And uh, it's been a, a, you know, you watch those games and, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing that, that happens when you're watching these games. As you're watching these games, you, you see the fans for the other team. And maybe this is just a mark of the immaturity in me, but I see the, the fans on the other team, and I always think, how in the world can you even root for that team? <laughs> right? Can you admit that when you're watching Ohio State and Michigan football, you think, what's wrong with Clint Lauterback, Right? You see those fans, and it's what? It's us versus them. Um, see, that's seeing people wrong. And kingdom people see people differently. Jesus saw people differently. Two weeks ago, we received communion, and, 
And I, I made reference to this ideal that we are a kingdom of priests. And priests are mediators. They mediate between people and God. And so as a kingdom of priests, that, that means that we are mediators between our culture and God. That we see our culture differently. I really chafe at the idea of culture wars. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I, I have trouble with the ideal of the church as a battleship. I don't think we're a battleship. I think we're a rescue vessel. We're an ark. We're not looking to combat people, to destroy people, to win some sort of ideological battle, but we're called to be salt and light and blessing and show people something better and beautiful and different. See, the wrong thinking is us against them. The right thinking is us for them. See, we're called to be a people for our culture. Not that we're saying our culture is right, but we're trying to bless it and bring light and salt and healing. A couple of weeks ago, I was in a, a, a meeting with somebody, and, and it, was, um, it turned into, a, unexpectedly, a kind of a rough meeting. You know, I'm trying to help this person, and, and they got a little bit salty. <laughs> and, and the temptation would be to say, wait a minute, I'm trying to help you. Don't you understand? I'm on your side. But I stopped, and I listened, and I heard what she had to say. And you know, at the end of the meeting, I, I guess lawyers can do this okay, this was a, not a church meeting. This was a law meeting. I said, hey, care if I say a prayer for you? Seems like things are going pretty bad. Yeah, please. And, and can I tell you what could have been ugly if I had responded like my culture would respond, turned into beautiful when I responded how I think Jesus would respond? So let me ask you, what opportunities will you have this week for God's light to shine through you? There will be opportunities for you this week for your light to shine, for you to be salt. Now, we're talking about this little light of mine. It just seems like we should sing this little light of mine. Uh, so I'm going to turn, Brian's going to come up, and he's, going to, he's got a big, important announcement to make, and then he's going to close us in prayer. But before he does that, we're going to sing this little light of mine together. I'm going to turn my mic off. Amy, can you lead us in it? I know we've, uh, I've stood before you for the last month and a half or whatnot just to talk to you a little bit about uh, this transition process. If you're first time in our church or haven't been with us for a couple weeks, um, you uh, may not know that Pastor Paul is on his way uh, out as the pastor of our church. He's stepping into this uh, ministry of being a lawyer here in Marysville full time. And we'll be doing that over the course of the next few months. And so I'm a member of our church board, and we've been diligently uh, seeking for pastoral candidates. And so I'm happy to announce to you today that we have a pastoral family uh, that we unanimously nominated that we want to present to you as a church family. And so that has taken a lot of meeting, a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion. And so just want you to be aware of the fact that two weeks from now, uh, Sunday, April the 3rd, and I know it's difficult to think we're talking about April already, but... Two weeks from now, Sunday, April the 3rd at 5 p.m., um, we're going to have an opportunity to meet this family. Uh, they, they will be here with us. Uh, Dr. Jeff Kunselman, our district superintendent, uh, will be here with us as well. And the format for that evening is that he will be um, conducting a question and answer 
uh, service for this pastoral family. We'll get to, to hear their answers and responses. Uh, the pastoral candidate will have the opportunity to speak for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then there will be a fellowship in the FLC that evening uh, for us to just kind of meet and greet, hang out, uh, ask them all the deep theological questions that we want to ask them, um, which I know you have. Make sure you write those down first. But um, that's what we'll be doing that Sunday evening, April 3rd. And then the following Sunday, April 10th, uh, we will be taking a vote as a congregation on that candidate. Um, we didn't want you to hear about that just through an email or through some sort of uh, electronic notification. We want you to know that we've been uh, deeply praying about this candidate and that we as a board are very comfortable bringing them forward to you. And so we just ask you to continue to be in prayer. We know you've been praying for us and for this situation, for Pastor Paul, for the pastoral family who will eventually be our pastors. And so I'm just going to ask you to keep praying for them uh, over the course of these next few weeks and be open to what the Lord would say to us as we listen to what they would say and consider them as our next pastoral family. Fair enough? Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll be done this morning. Father, thank you so much for today. You have blessed us with so much today, Lord, with the opportunity to worship you, to sing, Lord, to hear um, not from one but from many, Lord, whose hearts have been opened to what you would say to them and to the message you would give to them, which was meant for us. So, Father, we just ask that you continue to be with us in that light this morning as we pray for this family that is coming to us, as we pray uh, for our ability to discern and to decide and to hear your voice in all of it. God, that is a prayer that we should be praying every day, that you would help us discern and decide. And even as we sang the song, to be light in the world that we live in. Uh, be with us as we go. Help us to be light immediately um, as we step out of this place this morning. Um, Lord, allow us to carry your light with us into the places that we go, into school, into work, into all the areas that you would have us be light for you. It's in your name we thank you and praise you for all that today has been and for all you continue to want it to be. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Thank you.